We are here at the Aero Conference in Long Island, New York at Long Island University. This is Peter Berg and I am very fortunate to be joined by three students from two different democratic schools um, in the United States and I shortly will have them introduce themselves and we are going to go in and talk a little bit about democratic schooling and what that means and what that looks like in in their particular schools. So thank you all for being here and if you'd like to introduce yourselves, please go ahead. Hey, my name is Pace. I'm happy to be here. I go to Kennebunk. I go to the new school in Kennebunk in southern Maine. And uh, um, I'm really happy to be here. Hey. Uh, my name is Sophie. I also go to the new school in Kennebunk, Maine. Uh, and I am 18 years old in my senior year. Hello, I'm Electra Bumble. I'm from the Highland School in West Virginia. I'm 17 years old, and I am glad to be here with all these wonderful people. <laughs> all right, thank you all. Um, so the first question I have for all of you is, how did, how did you come to be at the school that you are? So either the new school or the Highland School, what was your journey to get there, and what attracted you to go to that school? Uh, well, I came to the new school because I was intrigued by the... Um, the education process they had there and how invested the students were in their learning and um, the uh, the rate of uh, succeeding students in college that have graduated from the new school and uh, yeah it just seemed like a really fun place to be. Um, I had originally been in the public school system for my whole life and then had to drop out of that due to complications, and I was in a homeschool online homeschooling program. Uh, when I first heard about the new school, I was just Googling schools just around that were different, just alternative schools, and the new school came up as a high school, and I thought I would check it out, and that is how I first learned about it. Um, yeah, it's Electra. I came... I came to um, Highland at 10 years old. Um, I started, I was in public school until second grade in Berlin, Germany. And um, I, I went to a, after that, it didn't work for me at all. So I went to a um, democratic school, they called themselves Sudbury in Germany. And I stayed there for, until I was like, 10 and I wanted to my mother was very into Neil and Summerhill and read all of his books and wanted to see if I could go to Summerhill and so I visited there I applied but I was not accepted um, I don't exactly remember why um, I think it was something like they were having a lot of applicants at least I tell myself that <laughs> and um then after a year, I found out about the Highland School in West Virginia and applied there, and that's where I ended up, and I love it, and I've been there for seven years, and I'm graduating in 2018, so next year. Great. Thank you all. Um, so for those of you who um, heard a lecture reference the Summerhill School, uh, that school is in England, and it's one of the first democratic schools in the world. 
Um, and uh, so, I, if I understand correctly, the Highland School is also a boarding school as well. Um, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And as far as we know, that is the only democratic boarding school in this country. Uh, fully democratic, yes. So we're talking about democratic schools, right? And um, when I asked you what attracted you to your schools, um, you didn't really necessarily mention the democratic piece of it. Um, so that may have been maybe a little bit of an afterthought. But can you tell us a little bit about what the democratic education piece is like in your school? What does that mean? What does it look like? Um, in, in the new school, the democratic process is pretty much the, the basis of, the, uh, of how the school functions. It means that the students um, have just as much as a say in decision making as adults do. There is no hier hierarchy of um, younger or older people. Everyone is considered equal. Um, and yeah. That is one of the things that first attracted me to the school was that how, how involved students were in their own education, making decisions. So the question was... Uh, so tell us a little bit about the democratic education process at the new school. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Um, when uh, a student is, like, if we're talking about uh, how the students decide things, if a student is really passionate about something, let's say, you know, catching butterflies, if they, they can, um, you know, rally together a, a group of butterfly catchers, and uh, as long as they don't catch, like, all the butterflies in the world, you know, kill off the species, you know, I think the school will probably support them, and, like, um, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, they can... Uh, rally together with their peers and come up with this class or if you know school a uh, student has something they they really need to help their learning like the air conditioning's too high or, or too you know what too uh, cold like you know they can come to the group and say the air conditioning's too cold and uh, you know uh, be really part of their education as uh, Sophie said so I uh, that's uh, that's kind of you know a really basic a wording of what the new school does. Well, the Highland School is similar in the fact that we each student is equal to the staff member there, and we have one vote at our general school meeting, which weeks which meets every week, um, where we decide things such as. If we were to park cars, I mean, we have an agenda where all of these things are written up on. And we have a chairperson that chairs the meeting. We have a majority vote system where if there is a proposal on the floor, like they want this specific parking lot space in the gravel to be free of cars so they can play there. Um, that they can propose this um, kid, let's say, named Jeff can decide that and propose that and then that would be seconded if someone in the crowd agreed or um, wanted to second for the sake of discussion then they could then their discussion would open f for anyone to raise their hand if they had discussion about the proposal 
after, if there is no discussion or the discussion is over, there it would come to a vote and all of the people in favor would raise their hand and all the people opposed would raise their hand and if it seems like a tie, it would, they, we would do it again and we would count the votes um, to, and if, and the proposal is dropped if it's a tie. So that's how the meeting aspect of most of our meetings works. And we also have um, committees that answer to the general school meeting but can make their own rules. Um, there's a lot of aspects to the school that students can really participate from rulemaking to hiring staff, firing them, and every aspect of life at school. Well, thank you uh, all so much for that explanation. So, so what I was hearing and when, when you all were describing the process and what happens at um, the Highland School or the new school um, is really this idea that everybody has a voice and an equal voice, right? That everybody's, um, everybody has the same, if you want to call it voting power, right? That your vote counts just as much as anybody else's. Right, so not one vote is carried, you know, or or has more weight, right? Um, so it it sounds like something that is pretty unique. I mean, there are democratic schools all over the world, um, but for most students or young people, you know, your age, it sounds like a pretty unique experience. Um, so when you started with the process was it easy to kind of get on board with or was it something you had to kind of you know maybe let take hold and you weren't sort of sure how it would work and i mean i i joined the democratic process when i was like seven or eight or something because i went to the school around it which is a sister school to the new school and at the time i guess it was pretty it's pretty like it was a huge thing because you know all the students had like a lot of power and it was like um it was hard to uh understand how everything worked and seemed like the meetings were kind of long and boring and uh it was you know hard to negotiate with peers sometimes and in the in the in the small in the setting i was in with the uh with the school around us there were a lot of like little kids you know who would like take up a stand and never you know get back from the stand so there'd be a lot of like a lot of infights and <laughs> it'd be uh it w i definitely learned a lot from that i learned how to negotiate quite a lot uh from uh that and i guess it's made me more of a uh I don't know, go negotiating type of person because that was really the only way we got things done. Because in the school around us, we worked on full consensus, which means everyone had to agree on something. So it was, I yeah, you can't see my facial expressions, but they're pretty intense. So here you go. Um, I started out at the new school as only as a part-time student. I think I was taking maybe three classes. So I kind of slipped into the process and like how the school worked a little bit I guess slower um, than most people would I wasn't just like placed in the middle of these this group of kids who operated in a completely different way um, I do remember being just really mesmerized by how everyone seemed to for the most part work together I mean we are teenagers teenagers are themselves um, and it was just like really, really interesting 
and almost kind of like frightening to see students interacting with teachers in just like a normal way. There was no, I mean, obviously everyone is like respectful, but just like it was an actual relationship between this teacher and student. It wasn't the formal um, kind of relationship that you see in public or private schools. And that was definitely one of the most interesting things about when I was first placed into the democratic process within this school. Um, well, because I came from a, another Sudbury school in Berlin, Germany, I was that the democratic part of it wasn't the struggle, but the language barrier was because it was a boarding school in in America, and I spoke a few words, couldn't read English, um, so it took. Uh, there was another German student boarding at the time, so I used her as a as as a translator often, and it took a while. But once I started playing video games, which I've already done, but American video games, I learned reading quite quickly to survive. Um, in the game and in real life. <laughs> um, and after that, it was quite, I mean, it was quite easy with to get along with everyone and with the system at hand, but also living in a dormitory, that was another struggle with homesickness, especially at 10. So, but we had Skype and my, me and my mother and talked pretty much every day, anytime. I was upset. I called her and told her I wanted to go home, and I couldn't right away. But she said, "If it's really bad, I can come home, obviously." And um, and every time I had to call her back and be like, "No, no, it's okay. I don't want to go home." I, so that was hard, actually, admitting that it's not that bad, especially for me who wanted to make a big deal out of everything. So it that was a growing experience, and now I can I barely talk to her every like maybe once a month. But so there's also a lot of aspects of living there 24-7, of getting, not getting along with certain people, trying to figure it out. And we have dorm meetings, um, which are 24-7 and can be called any time. Um, and so we have those when there is a conflict or just something that needs to be dealt with because we also have um, assigned jobs and all that. So that was interesting. And I obviously love it. Well, great. Thank you again um, for giving that perspective. And it's interesting because all of you are mentioning perspective taking, right? And how when you're in this process, a lot of it is trying to um, take in the perspective of others, you know, and being able to work things out. And you were talking about, I think, Pace, you were talking about, you know, learning how to negotiate and learning how to, you know, really take perspective. And then you were just saying sometimes in the dorm, right, things would, wouldn't be so smooth, right? And you kind of had to, you know, figure out a way to, uh, to work with that, right, and take people's perspectives. Yeah, so, so perspective taking, right? I mean, in terms of you were talking about having to work through things with people, right? And, and you know, when you were saying, Pace, that you had to, you know, learn how to negotiate. In a lecture, you were saying 
things happen in the dorm, right? And you had to say, well, how do how are we going to work this out, right? How are we going to work this out? So it's it's it seems like um, part of democratic education is being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to at least consider their perspective, right? You have a vote, you have a say. Um, a lecture you were saying if the vote is a tie whatever it is doesn't pass uh, or if there's somebody wants to second in or have more discussion you know there's a process for you know going through that perspective is that is that right uh, yes that is correct um, there's a lot of discussion after the fact of why if it was a tie why it was a tie and just talking about it or we even put it on old business for the next week um, to have time to think about it and talk to each other. So there is a lot of, um, I mean, there isn't as much compromising as there is probably at the new school because we don't have a, what's that system called? Consensus. We don't have a consensus. We have a majority vote. So if there's a few people not agreeing, they are over, they overturned. Um, which then also teaches something of, okay, not everything you want will happen. You know, you have to work with each other in some kind of system. And we rely um, on a different set of ways of dealing with each other. I mean, yeah. So. Great. Um, so Pace or Sophie or both of you, can you describe the process at the new school? Like, what does it look like when you're voting on things? What, how does that happen? What does it look like? Uh, well, we have the system we use. We have a f fist of five where we put up our hand. Uh, I, you can't see it, but I'm putting up my hand. And I had, you know, if, if you put up five fingers, you're basically saying, oh, yeah, I love it, I love it. And then four fingers is like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then three fingers can either be, you know, you have your doubts or maybe you don't care, you know. Uh, two fingers is, you know, you don't like it. It's a firm no from you. And then one finger would be like you really don't like it. Your pointer finger, don't. Yeah, you point your finger and uh, you really don't like it. And then we have this system we use like as if you put up a fist, it means it is uh, you are legally or morally opposed to it. And usually in that case, um, you know, you, you tell you tell everybody why. And we usually kind of that kind of blocks it because if someone's if it's like illegal or something, we can't do it, obviously. And uh, and then. What happens is once we do this fist of five, the people who have twos or lowers, uh, we ask everyone else with a five, three, or four to put their hands down and the two or lowers keep their hands up. And then we call on those people to explain uh, what, they, what their problem is with the uh, proposal that's being proposed. Because uh, we put up these, this, this hand, this fist of five thing for whenever we vote on a proposal. And the two and ones, ex you know, explain to the group and maybe try to persuade people to be on their side uh, why they don't like this this proposal. And um, and then we, after a while, it, it usually ends up being a uh, majority rule situation or um, uh, we make a compromise. Uh, just to be clear, the, school, the new school does not run on consensus. We run on modified consensus, which means it's kind of like a majority rules type thing. It's the school around us that runs on uh, consensus. Um, I think Pace covered most of most of the, the, the democratic process within the school. Um, 
Yeah, I think he got it all. <laughs> so I understand that you also have where something where you do like a temperature check. Um, you do sort of a thumbs up, thumbs down, and how does that sort of play into some of the meetings? When do you use that? Um, when we use our method or technique called the temperature check, it's kind of like the fist of five. We, it's either thumbs up, sideways, or down. Um, and it's a, it's a way to get everyone's opinion on a situation or an idea or a proposal without everyone having to talk. It's a silent communication method. Um, just that it speeds the process of going through with a proposal or not going through with it. It speeds it along um, much smoother because everyone wants to feel like they're being heard and it can be very hard sometimes for people to, to not feel like that. Um, so when we are in the decision-making process, not the actual, I propose this because this, um, but when we're actually making it, modifying it, compromising, we use this thing called the temperature check, which we'll pause and say, okay, everyone, temperature check, and they'll hold the, their thumbs up if they agree with like what's going on so far and they're, they're good with it. A thumb sideways means you're pretty indifferent. Um, you're willing to hear other ideas, but yeah, sure, you're willing to go, willing to go along with whatever's uh, being said right now. And a thumbs down um, means no, I don't like any of the stuff that's being discussed. But you also must be ready to explain why you feel so opposed to the ideas and decisions being made. Great, thank you. Um, so. Uh, it sounds like a, 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 it can be a pretty intense process sometimes, right? And a process where um, people have to be invested in it in order for it to work well. Um, and I think uh, Pace and Alexa, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges of democratic education. Um, are there other challenges that you didn't mention to like this democratic education process that you've been involved in? Have you and Sophie, you as well, have, have there been, you know, um, things that you find challenging about this democratic education process? In our democratic education process, we very strongly believe in compromise and do want everyone's voices to be heard because when they're not, that just creates kind of feelings of just, just negative feelings and energies towards people, and that's something we definitely do not want uh, within our school. Um, it can be really difficult because some people are quiet. Some people don't like to talk too much, um, but they might have some really good ideas bouncing around in their brain. Um, and there's, like, the opposite with people who also they might have good ideas but are very loud, always want to be heard, constantly have their hand up. And it can be really hard to get past some of those people um, because they do have such strong opinions and they want to have the floor as much as possible to explain why they feel what they, what they do. Um, but it can go a little overboard sometimes. And it's, it, it can be really hard to negotiate with some people just because of their beliefs or some other reason that they are just not willing to have any kind of compromise, which is, again, when we would use um, the majority rules uh, when making a proposal. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, Sylvie was right with the, um, sometimes also we have to use different facilitations techniques to, uh, you know, bring out some of the quiet people, like sometimes we split into groups and uh, 
we're talking about problems that arise, right? And that, yeah, um, and uh, a problem that is, in my opinion, a big problem is uh, that one of the biggest problems we face is some people don't, uh, some students aren't don't like don't feel like they are uh in like invested in the process or in the community and so when we do have these meetings they they don't uh give their voices just because they uh i guess they're just not they don't feel like they're in the community and um why some some of the reason why this is so important for ha to have people in this uh this democratic process is it because it also gets them excited about learning at the school and um you know their education seeing as they're the people who are deciding what to do about their education it would uh you know naturally make them uh, more enthusiastic about their education but if there are people who aren't uh who don't care about the process they're uh, a lot of times it ends up that they end up not being they're not caring about their education either and uh so our challenge is trying to get people to really care about um, being present in meetings and being just taking part in a democratic process, I guess. Um, it's Electra. The, well, the biggest challenge, I mean, there's a few small challenges, but I think a challenging part of democracy in general is the time it takes to make a decision. I mean, sometimes there's so much discussion on certain topics that it is very hard to make things, like if you're a spontaneous person, it's even harder, where you just want to go outside, where you, as, because our dorm can do trips to towns that are nearby. And if you just want to go get ice cream right now, um, you have to have a meeting, you have to talk about it, you have to figure out who's going to drive, you have to make the proposal. And so, there's patience that comes with it. And also sometimes the decision, okay, how much time do we want to spend on certain things? Because we have committees and we have people that are assigned for certain positions or um, elected for positions. So that, because there are some things that we cannot have a meeting for every time. So there is someone that does the pictures for the school. So we don't have to vote every time we want a picture or something like that. Um, so there's ways to work around the, that, but when it's things like a trip, you're just going to have to wait until everyone's in one room that wants to go and you will vote on it. So that also was, but that's also going to happen in life afterwards, where you have to wait for someone to finally put on all their makeup or something like that. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, so I know we're on a podcast and uh, folks that are listening can't uh, see us. Um, but what's coming through really here loud and clear is the passion that these students have for the democratic process, the democratic education process. Um, and while we just talked about the challenges, um, I want to also talk to you about the things that you love about the democratic education process. I mean, some of you have been with it for a long time, and so it's pretty clear that it's something that's important to you and something that you believe in and you know that you're willing to see through despite maybe the extra time that it takes or despite the fact that maybe there's not always you know uh, a um, balanced representation of, of everybody's voices and despite the fact that sometimes you know you have to kind of figure things out and say okay we got to facilitate this different 
Um, but I, but it was really coming through and how much, how important this is to you and, and you know, what it's meant to you. So can you talk a little bit about the things that you really enjoy about it? Yeah, it's Electra. Um, there are more things that I enjoy about it than I, than I dislike about it. But one thing that was very important to me at my school is individual rights. Um, you have a constitution where we have a list of all of our rights and we also have our philosophy in there and our core structure. Um, but they include, I mean, I don't have it memorized, but they include such things as the freedom for the free speech. Um, so you can cuss at our school. Um, that's surprising to a lot of people. And you can, but that's just a m smaller thing. I could live, but it's, um, the free speech part is bigger than that. It's you can have your opinion on social issues, on political issues. You can have discussions with anyone. Um, another thing I love is the age is overlooked. I mean, we are a school from four to 18 year olds and you can stay longer with an exception. So we've had graduates um, with 21 and staff members from 80 to 18, I guess. And so there is that age mixing that I love where it doesn't matter. You, you don't sit around with 12 year olds saying, oh, I can't talk to the 14 year old. Oh my God, I look up to them so much or I hate them or they're teenagers and they're mean, but everyone's just a person. You meet them where they are at their stage and you interact with them. So, and I can go on and go on about everything, but that's it for now. Um, being introduced to a democratic school, especially after having been in a public school and homeschooled, where I was just by myself constantly, um, I didn't really have, well, while I was homeschooled, I had no one else to talk to except for my cat. Um, and in public school, I was never, I was never liked too much around other people because of my ideas and because sometimes I would shoot my mouth off. Um, and people didn't like that. And I was, that was something I was really worried about when I first came to the school uh, last September. I was very nervous about being the right person and not doing the things that had gotten me in so much trouble with people in the past. Um, until I realized that, whoa, this is a place where I can actually like shoot my mouth off and people, they might not necessarily agree with what I'm saying, but they'll, they'll actually sit and listen. Um, which is one of the best things about the school is that, that that is one of the best things that people will sit and listen to you. There's no biases based on how old you are or like where you've come from or how long you've been at the school, which is really, really great. Um, so the, the question was, uh, what are the things I enjoy about the democratic process? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, I guess uh, I've kind of already explained a lot of things. It's some, in some ways, the problems end up being the, the best things because you learn a lot. Like, for instance, when I said I learned how to negotiate, you know, when you, when you are in meetings a lot, you get to learn about, like, how the process works and, you know, how to negotiate with people and how, um, uh, how to, you know, ask for what you need and all that kind of stuff. And... 
it's it's just a really good learning process to be in meetings, even if sometimes they can be long and grueling. Um, and then another thing I guess I would say is I already said that anyways already, but it's the uh, you you feel more invested invested in your school and your education if you are invested in your uh, if you're in the meeting and you're actively participating then. Um, so that's also a really good thing about democratic, the democratic process in schools. And then uh, I guess the third last thing I might just say is you, uh, w when you are in this environment where you get to talk to people, you, you end up learning a lot about people based on like what they say in a meeting. And that's one of the reasons like it's, I encourage people to talk in meetings because you get to know more about them when you talk to people in meetings and, um, it's a really good social thing, too. Meetings are, I don't know, democratic process is just a great thing all around. Um, one of the, the best things about the school, I actually, after thinking and listening to Pace and Lecture Talk, is that it's just, it's actually really, really fun. Um, instead of just sitting in a classroom staring at a whiteboard at a teacher explaining math and how it works, this past year I built a launcher that and I launched a ball across like a a very a very long space and there's not now actually a mark in the wall where where it hit and that's what we do for math class we don't there's very little just like sitting and there's a lot of doing um, I got there's been language credits that were given because we were there's been people who studied uh, Shakespeare and Sherlock Holmes and Tolkien, which Peter actually, Peter actually taught that class, which was really, really great. Well, I just wanted to say another thing I love about it is that it's a complete self-direct le learning school. So we do not have any classes. We don't have um, anyone telling us or we don't even decide that we have to be somewhere at a certain time. I mean, we do to the extent as any person decides to be on the toilet or not or in the living room but we don't have to fill out a curriculum we can actually and that's based on the state that we're in um, but I can so I could have dive in into graphic design like I which I am interested in and watch YouTube videos all day at school and after school but since it's a 24-hour school 24 hours and try to sleep <laughs> or um, do other things and that was something that I really loved because I could take control of my own life to a complete extent so if I wanted to learn about something I could go to a staff person or to another student and say hey you know this I want to learn that or go to the general school meeting and say I want to like I actually did go and say I want to intern at a vet I found this vet I can intern at and I was there for a year every week and I loved it. So there's all these opportunities that I can make myself with support or with the internet um, or any other way. I mean, there's people that love going out into the woods at our school and just learn everything about the tree trunks there. So you really get the right to take care of your own time. I mean, that's in our individual rights too because we have our I mean, I didn't list the whole list, but it's all in there, so. One of the things that I hear about democratic education a lot, right, one of the critiques is that 
really one of the questions following from a critique is how come, well, if students have such a say in everything, one, how do things, how does anything get done, any learning happen? And two, how come it's not just complete chaos, right? Because everybody has a say in a vote. And so again, understand the model that most people are used to, right? Especially here in the United States, when you're coming from a compulsory schooling, which means you're forced to go, right? You don't have a choice and you're forced to do things, right? So the idea of all of a sudden, right? Those people who are forced now have a say, right? Now have a vote in how things go, right? The question I often get is how come there isn't just complete chaos, right? Things just fall apart. Nothing gets done because no one wants to do anything, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how come it, like it, it works, obviously, what you've all described are systems that work and systems that you enjoy and that you like. And so, you know, for folks that are listening who maybe might be the first time they've heard about democratic education or, have, you know, are interested in it and want to know more, how come it's just not complete chaos because everybody gets to sit in a room and, and make decisions together? Um, I guess I'd say, or it's Pace again, hi. Uh, I guess I'd say it's like in the same way that um, like other democracies aren't chaos. You know, it's, uh, it's like there's this thing we have that this, this insidious thing called responsibility and it like, uh, it kind of drives us to, uh, you know, use our power for good rather than evil. Um, and, uh, so, you know, for instance, though we have, you know, the collected power to, um, whatever, do kind of whatever we want, we also, we also kind of have to appease our, um, our royal subjects, like our, uh, our parents and the faculty and, um, you know, uh, you know, we also kind of want to graduate. So there's like, you know, there's these things we, that we want to do. So we, uh, that we have the freedom to propose what we want. We also, um, usually, uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> have to appease the, uh, our outside, you know, educators and stuff. So, uh, that's, that was kind of like why it's anarchy. I lost my thought, but here's Sophie to save me. <laughs> I'm going to save Pace because we're friends. Um, that was sarcastic. It was not. <laughs> um, the reason the school, uh, the, the way the new school actually differs from the Highland schools that we do have, our curriculum is slightly more um, constructed. We do have set classes at set periods. We don't have them every single day. We have certain classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then other classes Tuesday, Thursday. And they're like, they differ in like times or how long they go and breaks in between them. Um, and the reason though it's not complete chaos is because what Pace said, it, it's really boiled down to responsibility. Teachers will not come find you and drag you to class because, and so if you decide, hey, I don't want to go to class, then you're just not going to get credit. Um, naturally, that's happened. It's not something that's, no one, it's not, teachers don't just let it slide. Um, people do have to take responsibility for their education, and since that's what uh, a democratic school is all about, they're actually going to, like, enforce that, and 
that is one of the reasons that is not complete chaos. It's only sometimes chaos. Yes. Um, I probably, um, it's Electra. I probably get that question a lot more since we do have something that sounds a lot more chaotic because we don't have those class structures at all. Um, we don't have teachers telling you or even being the ones that enforce um, the consequence or not saying that they are the only ones that enforces it. But of course we have consequences to um, your own actions. Like we have a judicial system that takes care of enforcing the rules, which students and staff participate in. So there is a judge clerk and two judges. And if so if you write a complaint, because we also have a rules book that uh, we will call it a rules tree, which is two pages short. Um, where they, which these rules are made at the general school meeting um, where every student participates. So there is also by going to the school, you do agree to follow all those rules. So if you, so there's a very strong structure. I mean, if you go and hit someone, it's going to go to the school meeting. If, actually, it's going to be a um, special school meeting right away. And um, it will be talked about expulsion, I mean, by most students, because it's a safe environment. We don't want people to feel like they need to be careful where to put their stuff because it's going to get stolen. We don't want people to um, fear that they can't go into a fight with someone because they might come out bloody or, or even more simple things where they just don't want to go home feeling like they're not heard or something or there's... That's why we have a lot of systems in place. And and um, I think that if you read Lord of the Flies, or I've ever read that, it, it, children do not act that way. Children have a very strong sense of responsibility and a very strong sense of um, justice. It's because it's like, oh, this guy has two pieces and I only have one. What's going on there? I mean, I remember that as a kid <laughs> to be very strong. And I think that these schools just support that. Um, I've... I think if you are free to do what you want with your time, you will do it, and you will you won't have. I mean, it, the rebellion in you that I had in public school. I mean, I jumped on the table and I screamed at my teachers and I did all kinds of things, but I just d didn't feel like I was responsible. And so, with our judicial system in place, so if I break a rule, someone else can write a complaint. A student, a peer, or a staff, or I on a staff. Um, and w that would go to our judicial system. So and that would go through it, and there would be a, s um, a sentence, if a warning, or s depending on what happens. So there is that. But I think even with, which is very important to our system, and we do, and we strongly believe in facing your accuser, also in our system. So you can't just not come if you wrote a complaint on someone. I mean, I have not explained that well, but I wanted to say that, that there's many ways of enforcement. All right, so um, last couple of thoughts here. So we're talking about, so basically you're, you're talking about responsibility, right? Responsibility to the process and to the community. Um, and I think that's something that we all have in, in our society, right? In a civilized society, we all in some ways have responsibility, right? And responsibility to be a citizen of the world or of our society. And it sounds like 
what you're engaged in is very similar in your schools is that you you're responsible to this process to this democratic process and you know whether you vote or you don't vote you're showing up to meetings you know you're at least or you're at least if you don't show up to meetings and you're not part of the pro you're at least going along with whatever's decided so maybe you can decide you decide hey i'm not going to that meeting i don't care about voting on anything um but i know that i'm going ha to have to go by the decision so that's what that uh, that's what that sounds like so um we have just a couple minutes left so uh we were talking about earlier how a lot of students um especially here in the united states um are not part of democratic schools. They don't go to a democratic school. They go to, um, unfortunately, some places that are almost the antithesis of democratic education. It's not democratic at all. They don't get to make any decisions, right, other than the fact of, you know, maybe what they bring for lunch or something like that. That's the, like the biggest decision they get to make. Um, you know, what, do, do you think that democratic education model can work in any school? From your experience, and some of you have been in other places, do you think the democratic education model can work in any school? Uh, well, um, different places and different people are, you know, different. So it would have to be, it have to be suited to their like lifestyle and, um, you know, modified. But I guess I believe that with enough effort it could happen i really could happen and um you know you just need like the uh the drive the effort and uh i'm pretty sure uh you could totally do that <laughs> when you're actually excited to go to class you're not dreading having to go to science class because it's boring as hell and you're just going to sit there and completely forget everything that's been said that is just not a process that's going to work, but it's sadly what's used in throughout most of the country. But when you're excited to go to class, because guess what? I get to make a launcher that's going to hit the wall and make a giant mark. That's awesome. And so just catering, I guess, is the word to what people want and or what students want and what they want to do and what they're interested in. I think that would be the first the first step in uh <laughs> in uh i can't finish implementing a democratic education exactly process. hey it's electra um i think that it would work for most children in the united states um i mean in the end if we're going to go to a fantasy world i would think that democratic schools are just a um, stepping stone to a bigger, better picture, um, which I could go on forever about how that should look. And, but I think compulsory education should be the first thing to go um, for that, because if you force someone to be anywhere, it's not the passion. I mean, even if, especially if they don't have any say in what, what they're doing, where they're going. Um, can't, it isn't a hundred percent. I mean, if you have to force someone to be there, obviously they, it's not a hundred percent. Um, it's different if you sign up for something and you say, okay, I'm going to, 
I signed up and in this says I have to be here every day. That's something you went in knowing. That's a contract you went in. Um, like our school, we have you have to be there every day at a certain time. Um, you can talk about what time for some people works or not, but it, you still have to be there, I don't know, the state-regulated days um, at school. But there are also students, I mean, for, that wouldn't that it wouldn't work for. I mean, especially if you've been in public school for a long time, there's the de detoxing pretty much from it, um, the going out and you can't function and figure everything out for yourself right away. Um, but the sadness of that is that people have to. I mean, school ends at 18. They have to go study or do something. How are they going to go into the world? And I th obviously it works. I mean, everyone does survive in some way if they go into the rat race or not. Um, and, but the part, but there are students who, that can't take responsibility for their own actions. I mean, we've had that at our school where they have mental or physical issues um, where they need help with something. So for most of those, like we've had um, a blind kid at, at our school where we had someone help him all the time or, or, um, with deaf kids. I mean, the, you can work with a lot of people, but if you give them freedom, they can definitely, or if you give them some, yes, freedom, which I hate saying the word giving freedom because they should already have it. Um, everyone can work with it. All right. Um, thank you so much. So, folks, we were just talking with... Um, Two students from the new school, uh, Pace and Sophie, and one student from the Highland School, Electra. Um, and these are just examples of democratic, uh, democratic schools and democratic education uh, here in the United States. Uh, there are many democratic schools uh, throughout the world. And the, the other thing to, to remember about democratic education is that there are processes for conflict resolution, there are processes for decision making, um, and, it, and it is a, it's not a perfect system, but it's, it's a, a system that is really reflective of any democratic, I mean, any de democratic process uh, takes time and responsibility and effort. Um, so again, thank you so much to the three of you for being here. Thank you for having us, Peter. It was fun. Um, please research into alternative schools. I mean, there's so much out there that you could be doing, even homeschooling or unschooling or fun schooling. I, that does not exist, but do it. Um, or it might, actually. So just look into what is around you if you feel like you're trapped there's always someone else that feels the same get together you know make something happen okay and i encourage you to um look up the new school in kennebunk maine or the highland school in west virginia also please um check out the arrow website which is the alternative education resource organization and that is at www.educationrevolution.org thank you very much